glory. Aren't you glad to be here today? Amen. I'm glad to be here. I feel like I hadn't been here in a month, but it hadn't been but just two weeks, one week, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad to be here today. I am glad to be in a church. I tell you, every church needs a minister of music and a choir and, and, and folk like this. It wouldn't be dead. Amen. Uh, I, am, I am so thankful uh, to be a part of this church. Brother Aaron uh, is always on target. I, I, you know, I really don't even need to preach today. I just really need to go back and read the words of these songs. Uh, man, today is the day I'll stand up for you. Mm. Won't worry about uh, tomorrow, fears or sorrows. And then uh, Brenda, prices are up, markets are down. Hallelujah. Retirements are gone. But I got Jesus. I ain't worried about nothing. Amen. I tell you, uh, trouble can't trouble a heart that is free. <laughs> so I want to smile and uh, sing. Uh, now, the only thing wrong with that song, and there's nothing wrong with it. Where's, where's Brenda? Yeah. Wonderful. Where's she at? Other side. Other, there's nothing wrong with that song. But she does have in there a little part that says, I ain't worried about a little old trial. Some of y'all ain't going through little old trials. Some of y'all going through big old trials. But when you compare however big your trial is to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a little old trial. Amen? Amen. So don't let that throw you there. But uh, we're starting a new series today out of Philippians chapter 4. And we'll be in chapter 4 the entire next six or seven weeks. Uh, and the series is Overcoming Life's Obstacles. And uh, the obstacles that he's referring to in chapter 4, three primary, but there are others too that we'll be looking at, uh, would be worry, anxiety, and fear. Overcoming those. If you listen to anything the music had today, every one of those things were highlighted in there. Overcoming. Worry. Every day with Jesus is sweeter. Felt like I was in Bible school all over again, Ken. I mean, that's good. Amen. Uh, and then let me introduce our, our D-Now folks. If you're in D-Now, would you stand up up there? They're all up there in the balcony up there. Give them a big hand. Man, we're proud of y'all. Amen. Jack, did you learn anything in D-Now? You did, okay. We'll talk about that later, all right. Ha, <laughs> ha, Thank, uh, thank Brother Jason and all those workers that had a part in that, a tremendous uh, D-Now and, uh, man, energy and excitement. And you kids have signed a contract to be here every Sunday for this year, and we're thankful for all that. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. And uh, overcoming life's obstacles, and our first session is on standing firm, standing fast. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Father, thank you today for the joy to be in your house. Lord, would you just, uh, uh, every word that's said, would you just let it flow out of my mouth, what you want said? God, would you... Just let people hear it in their hearts and their minds. And Lord, I pray the devil has no place in this auditorium today. 
that the Holy Spirit of God would drive out any kind of detour or any kind of distraction or anything that would keep people from hearing the precious Word of God. Let your Holy Spirit move, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Is John Paul in here? He went to Children's Church. He'd rather hear them than me. All right. I'll remember that at Christmas time. All right. All right. There are many things in this world today that can throw us for a loop. The devil would love to tear your home up. He'd love to tear your school up. He'd love to tear this church up. He'd love to tear young people up. He'd love to tear children up. That's his specialty. There are a lot of things going around that detours that can put us on the shelf where God can't use it, that it can ultimately wipe us out. And he gives us this command in Philippians 4.1 to stand fast. It's the basic theme throughout this whole chapter here. Verse 6 says, be anxious in chapter 4 for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Literally, that means don't worry. I think about as I was reading uh, uh, some on this here that Demas was a friend and a fellow laborer. And in Philemon 1, 24, Paul calls him Demas, my fellow laborer. I mean, they're, they're working together. They're, and, and then when he gets down to Colossians, he says, Demas greets you. He don't say fellow laborer or man of God or anything. He said, it kind of leads you to believe that Demas has kind of drifted a little bit. You know what that's like when you kind of drift a little bit? And then when you get down to 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul is in prison and he's about to be killed. And if anybody ever needed a friend in prison about to be killed, it's Paul. And yet the scripture says that Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed into Thessalonica. Now when I read that, I thought it's not unusual for folk to forsake the Lord. Many people have come and they said, I'm going to follow Christ all my life. Somebody said something wrong to them. I mean, it didn't take a whole lot to get them out of the Lord's house. Somebody said something wrong. Somebody did something. Somebody took their seat. Somebody looked like they were getting more uh, privilege than somebody else. And so we just quit. We're just going to give up on God. I, I, don't, I don't find that hard to believe that Demas is giving up on God, quitting. What I find hard to believe is the Bible says Demas had forsaken him and went to Thessalonica. Thessalonica was the worst place in the world for a Christian. They were more persecuted. There were more killings going on there. there were, it was a terrible place for a Christian to be. And you know what God told me through that? You ain't going to get away from trouble. You can't run from trouble. You can't run from difficulty. You run all you want to. Trouble going to find you. Difficulty going to find you. They endured. Uh, the scripture guides us in these issues of life here. Living in a world filled with fear and anxiety and trouble and trials and worry. The Bible says we're to stand fast. That's a term that comes from a soldier term that he is not going to retreat. He's not going to give up. He's not going to back up. Even though the enemy may surround him, they may keep coming on him, he is going to stand fast. And that's what God is telling us to do today. I don't like being a prophet much, but according to the Word of God, as time goes on, many of you are going to flee. 
You're going to say, this ain't worth it. This ain't worth it. We enjoyed it when we could come and worship and have a good time, just praise the Lord, but it's gotten too rough now. People making fun of us for coming to church. People making fun of us standing on the Word of God. People making fun of us for believing the Ten Commandments. It, you know, my son, my daughter, they're involved in this and they're involved in that. And we've got these friends. We've got those friends. And I'm telling you, it's just difficult to stand firm. Some of you are not going to make it. I, I pray we all do. We're to stand fast, to persevere, not to allow anxiety fear or worry to come into our life three things and I'm through number one it's able to be done some of you sitting here saying preacher you don't know what I'm going through I don't but I know the Lord that goes through it with us uh, I don't know what you're going through but I'm telling you it's able or God wouldn't have said stand fast he said stand fast now the first thing that Paul says stand fast about is look at me it almost looks like he's bragging hey guys look at me look at me I'm standing fast uh, verse 1 anytime you see the word therefore you always ask it why it is there for and so therefore beginning in verse 1 goes back the reason it's therefore is because of chapter 3 and in chapter 3 verse 17 the Bible says brethren be followers together of me. Paul is saying, hey, follow me. It's almost like he's bragging. But then he goes on to say, and mark them which walk so. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not the only one standing fast. There are other people standing fast. But I'm just telling you, you can use us, the Bible says in verse 17, as an example. Paul says, you can follow me. You can follow the people that are following me. We're standing fast in the Lord. We're not going to back up. We're not going to compromise. We may be in jail, and we are, and about to die, but that's all right. It don't make any difference. Paul, even when he's in jail in Acts 16, he's not whining about it. He's not saying, well, the food here is terrible. He's he telling that we got a hunger strike going on in the prisons in uh, Texas right now. I don't know. There's a hundred and something left. You know, I, I know prison life's not, not tremendous. Never was meant to be tremendous. Uh, but I know there's a lot of crooked things going on there. I've never in my mind figured out how people could get drugs in the prison when they've got guards and everything. It's all, you know, I, I, I'm not here to say it. It's not bad, but I'm saying Paul didn't do any of that. You know what he did? He wrote letters to the churches while he was in prison. He encouraged one another. And in Acts 16, him and old Silas got so wound up there praising the Lord, the Bible says the entire prison heard him. I mean, look, the jailhouse rock didn't start with Elvis Presley. It started back with Paul. How can you do that? How could you be so intense, so constantly standing fast? Well, Philippians 3.20 says that our conversation is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And when our citizenship's in heaven, that means we have resources that are available to us that come from heaven. So it's in heaven. Now let me tell you something about heaven. There's only one king in heaven. If you're here and you think heaven is a multitude of kings, you're wrong. 
There's only one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, only one. He is the ultimate example that we're to follow. Now, Jesus teaches three things here. Number one, he teaches in Matthew 6, 33. Brother Case is going through Matthew and the Beatitudes. Tremendous on Sunday night. You ought not to miss it. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. He's teaching on worry. Don't worry about these things. You see, worry can become a habit. Worry can become a stronghold. Worry can just, I mean, it can make you sick. There's some of you, you say, well, I'm not a negative person. Yeah, you are. Just ask somebody. Now, don't ask your husband because we've already learned there are two things in life. You can be right or you can have peace. And I tell you, most of us have said, I'm going to just have peace and shut up and go on. Amen? But, 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 but the, the way you were raised can affect your worry and your attitude and spirit. Just how you were raised, how commonly uh, you've worried all your life. You've been negative. The glass always half empty. You say, I'm not negative. Just ask somebody. You wake up in the morning and you worry. You're worried about what might happen. It ain't happened yet, but you're worried that it might happen. So you're worried to death. Then you wake up one morning and you're not worried. Something, uh, uh, you're not worried because you're not worried. And then you're not, you're worried because you're not worried. You say, something got to be wrong with me. I'm supposed to be worrying. Church, let me just be honest with you. We're made up of a lot of neurotic people. Amen. <laughs> Every one of us have got our little challenges and our cliches and our, yeah, we, we all, we, there's no difference in us. Hey, we're all human. And we're fighting the flesh just like everybody else is fighting the flesh. Worry can become a lifestyle. I hear it all the time. I used to say the same thing. I'm worried about my grandkids. Worried about my kids. What's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to my grandkids? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen to them. The same God that took care of you is going to take care of them. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our children, these young people up here, we're counting on you to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Hey, I'm telling you, there no people talk about how bad the situation. There's no worse than the situation when you were growing up. You did all kinds of things that your mama would have whooped the daylights out of you if she'd ever found out. She has never found out. And then Jesus puts on his instructor hat, science. He said, boys, let's go on a field trip. And they go outside. And he said, you see that bird up there? He said, that bird don't plant anything. That bird don't plant seeds and then come back, wait for the harvest, and then harvest it and then be fed. That bird don't do any of that. God just takes care of him. And, and you, you see those lilies over there? Now, I'm not talking about the lilies that we have here and that are pot plants and all that. If you go to Israel, if there's a good spring rain, lilies will pop up wild all over everywhere. It's called the lilies of the field. Ain't nobody planted them lilies. There's nobody watered them lilies. There's nobody fertilized them lilies. There's nobody hoed the grass out of those lilies. You know what the Lord said? He said Solomon in all of his splendor 
with all of his jewels and with all of his garments and with all of his robes, Solomon and all his splendor could not compare to the beauty of those lilies. Now, I want to just tell you this morning, you, you may not agree, but you could be wrong. You can get right. That bird ain't got a soul. And if God takes care of that bird that don't have a soul, and that lily don't have a soul, and if God takes care of that lily that don't have a soul, don't you think he'll take care of us, his children who he died on the cross for? My soul, God did all of that. Solomon didn't do it. Israel didn't do it. No prophet did it. God did it. And he died on the cross. Now what that involves is knowing that Jesus died for your sin. When he died on the cross, Nicodemus was told in John 3.16 that you must be born again. Say, preacher, I don't know about that. Well, I'm just preaching the Bible. If you're born once, you're going to die twice. If you're born twice, you're going to die once. That's just how that works out. If God's going to take care of the birds and God's going to take care of the flowers, let me tell you, God's going to take care of you. You come to Jesus, you're washed in the blood, you become adopted into the family of God, you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and you set your mind on Jesus and get your mind off this other mess. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's what he's teaching. The second thing he's teaching, though, is his triumph. Our citizenship is in heaven. We've got heavenly resources. I'm not sure what we're waiting on. A defeated Christ? Or we're waiting for Christ to come back, gnawing his fingernails, saying, oh my goodness, I didn't know that was going to happen. They pulled a surprise on me. That's not in the script. Are we waiting on a feeble? No. He's the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's going to take care of his children. If one of them's asking for bread, he's not going to give them rocks. He's going to give them bread. He said, I took care of folks when I was here on this earth. I healed people. I fed people. I I encouraged people. I ministered to people. Now, the Holy Spirit, he's omniscient, all-knowing. He's a... Uh, he's everywhere all the time. You say, explain that. See our house theologian, Brother Case, and he'll explain it to you. All I know is this, his ways are not my ways. I, I'm thankful that his brain's not like my brain. We'd all be in a lot of trouble. God knows what he's doing. I hear people say, I don't know what this world's coming to. What are you talking about? Are, are, are you waiting for failure to happen? Are, are, are you waiting for hell to triumph? Are you waiting for the devil to take over? Let me tell you what we're waiting on. We're waiting on Jesus to split that eastern sky and to descend to this earth where every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, defeated the armies of the Antichrist and chain them up and cast them into the lake of fire where they'll never again wreak havoc upon your families or your children or your, uh, your friends. There's a story I read about a guy driving a truck. Of course, some of you young people won't realize this, but we used to didn't have air conditioners. 
you, you had 55 at, uh, at you know, two. You rolled two windows down, and you, that's the air conditioning you had. And his son was riding with him there, about five or six-year-old boy, and Bumblebee got in that cab of that truck. I don't know if you've ever met with a bumblebee. I met one time. I was running, I'll never forget it, running around the side of the house, and that bee hit me right here, and I fell backward. I mean, he knocked me down. That thing, I'd do it. Uh, but that bee was buzzing. That little boy was going crazy. And, and his, it, that bee ended up hitting his daddy, and stinging him right there. Man, it had him. And then the little boy, sure enough, went just off the rocks. I mean, he just... Oh, and you know what the daddy said? He said, son, son, calm down, calm down. The bee stung me, but when he stung me, he broke off his stinger, and he can't sting you anymore. Woo, could I tell you that 2,000 years ago, there was a thing called death that was stinging. But I'll tell you, Jesus took it all the way to the cross, he took it all the way through Calvary. He went to a borrowed tomb. And when he arose that third day, he broke that stinger right off the devil's back. First Corinthians says, Death, where is thy sting? It don't sting anymore. Jesus done took it for us. Man, have mercy. Uh, let me get to the second point. Good grief. Somebody run that clock up. It's personal. It's each and every one of us. We're to stand fast in my faith. Now, verse 1 talks about a crown. What motivated Paul to do that? I mean, to be consistent and to be persevering and to always press on and never back up. What motivated him? I think it could be 2 Corinthians 5.10. talks about the beam of seat of, of the judgment. Now, he's not talking about the white throne judgment. Can I just explain to you just a minute? If you're at the white throne judgment, you're not there to be judged whether you're saved or not. You're lost. And I, I don't want to be ugly, but I'm telling you, there's no purgatory. There's no holding tank. There's no pay $200 and surround gold or whatever. When the party's over here, the party's over if you're lost. For eternity you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. So we're not talking about the white throne judgment. We're talking about the Bema seat judgment. The Bema seat judgment is when you got the rewards for what you had done. Athletes uh, uh, prepared, and, and he, Paul many times speaks of the race. He said, I, I, I run for the prize. I'm not beating my hand against the air for nothing. Man, I'm training myself spiritually to win the prize just like an athlete trains himself physically to, to go the prize, to go all the way. So when they would win, they would go to the Bema and they would get a laurel crown. And this laurel crown, uh, I, let's see, I, I guess I'm going to use this illustration. I don't want to. Uh, uh, I, I love my wife. I really do. And She'll tell me, don't buy flowers. When your wife says, don't buy a flower, don't listen to her. She's lying. I'll buy flowers for her. Amen? And then, you know what happened? Three or four days, them things are brown and dead. And I'm thinking, all that money. You know, I could have gone to Chick-fil-A for that. 
And what Paul is saying here is, if you guys are going to train and you're going to discipline yourself and you're going to do everything you can to be a strong athlete and to win the prize, and that's all just earthly, how much more should we be training to win the spiritual prize? To move on with Jesus. <laughs> when we get to heaven, it's, it's going to be different than what a lot of people think. We get to heaven... Wes is going to walk up, and God's going to say, Well, Wes, you've been faithful. You've got nine crowns here. Hmm. He's going to walk up to Brother Aaron and say, You've been pretty good, too. Music ministry for a music guy, you've done really good. <laughs> you've got three crowns. <laughs> and then he's going to walk on over here to Davis. He said, Davis... God love him. He has no crowns. None. Now, you're going to have one, because I want to tell you something. Uh, anyway, well, let me tell you in a minute. Okay. There's a winner's crown, and everyone gets there is going to get one crown. Amen? We're going to win. There's not a crown for a quitter. Only a crown for a winner. And when we get there, God's not going to say, I'll tell you what. Let's take everybody, you nine crowners, let's put you over here. And you five crowners, we're going to put you right here. You three crowners are going right here. You duds are going to go right over here. Uh-uh. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take those crowns, and we're going to bow down at the feet of Jesus, the one who died for us. And we're going to place those crowns and kiss his feet and say, Oh, God, thank you for doing this for me. We're going to place those crowns at his feet. They're not going to dry up and be brown. <laughs> have mercy, have mercy. That's why Paul can say in Second uh, Timothy 4, I'm not afraid to die. He said, but you know why? Because there's a treasure laid up for me. If he just stopped there, I, I'd have been all right with it. But he didn't stop there. He said, and not for me only, but for all of those who love his appearing. Wow, he's talking about us. He's talking about us. There are treasures laid up for us. The Bible says in Revelation, there are 24 elders. You say, why 24? 12 represents the tribe of Israel in the Old Testament. 12 represents the apostles in the New Testament. And they're leading us up to the heavenly throne praising the Lord and they're leading in the worship and we take those crowns and lay at the feet of Jesus you see anything we've done in this life now you listen to me you ain't gonna like it but you better listen anything we've done in this life ain't been because of us it's been because of him and so anything we've accomplished it's not that we've accomplished it it's that he accomplished it using us and we're gonna lay those crowns at his feet Paul said, my eyes are on the prize. It's able to be done. It's personal. And then thirdly and last, it's, it's a demanding challenge. I told you, it's not easy all the time. He said, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Beloved. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says, stand fast in the faith. Galatians 5.1, Paul says, stand fast in Christian liberty. You say, what does that mean, preacher? I'll put it bluntly to you. 
you grow up a little bit and become a real man of God, you'll realize that it ain't how long your hair is or how many tattoos that's going to keep you out of heaven. None of those things matter. It don't matter what you look like on the outside. What matters is if you've got covered by the blood of Jesus. What matters is are you washed in the blood. In Philippians 1.27, he talks about the church being of one spirit and unity together. And I believe with all my heart, 2023 is going to be a tremendous year for this church. But I believe with all my heart also, the devil's going to do everything he can. He's going to hit every angle he can to try to come into this church and disrupt this fellowship. And he'll use anybody he can. Anybody sitting here this morning, I don't care how spiritual you are, the devil will use you if you just give him one inch. 2 Thessalonians, he says, stand fast in Bible truth. Stand fast. Mm. There's some other areas. He said here that we can get from chapter 4, verse 1, we need to stand fast in the Lord, beloved. He's saying the Lord. God loves us with an agape love. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's agape. That's unconditional love. And then we want to turn around and look at other people. If they've done anything wrong to us, I don't want anything to do with them anymore. I'm through with that. That's not unconditional love. God loves us with enough. Do you know there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore? And there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. He loves you with an unconditional love. I, I want to tell you, he meets our needs. If you didn't memorize any other verse in the Scripture, if you're a child of God, you ought to know Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Then he said we need to stand fast in our adversity. He said, I longed for the brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for. Hmm. Well, if he longed for him, why didn't he just go see him? He can't go see him because he's locked up in jail. He can't get out. You see, we not only love in the good times and stand fast in the good times, there's going to be adversity. There are going to be some bad times. There are going to be some trials. There's going to be some tribulation. Uh, there's going to be some things we don't like. This thing of growing old, man, I'll tell you right now, I don't like it. I... I, I, mm. there are some adversity things that we've just got to face then he said stand fast in the church he said my long for the brethren he's talking about the church he's saying overcome anxiety overcome fear overcome uh, uh, worry you know how you do that listen to me you become more than a spectator you become a participant that's how you get into the presence of the Lord. And when you get into the presence of the Lord, it's like I know many of you are listening by live stream this morning, and I thank God that you are. We've got folk living all over. We've got a church in Pakistan and a church in uh, Kenya that play our services for their services. Their people sit there and, eat and listen in English and, and worship with us, just like we do on the live stream. We've got other shut-ins. Miss Carolyn's in Grapevine. Others have all around in different places listening in on shut-ins on, on live stream. But listen to me to tell you something. Anybody in their right mind will tell you 
that live streams wonderful, but ain't nothing like being in the house of God. I mean, when you come into this house, you sense there's a spirit here. It's the presence of God. And I will tell you, when you're in the presence of God, worry has to get out of the way. When you get in the presence of God, fear goes out the side. When you get in the presence of God, anxiety disappears. You've got to be in the presence of God. You need to place yourself under the teaching. We call them life groups. Some call them Sunday school. Some call them Bible study. I don't care what you call it. You need to be under the teaching of the Word of God. You say, well, I already come to church. This is not teaching. This is preaching. There is a big difference between preaching and teaching. You ought to be in the services. You ought to be part of the music and the worship and everything. But I want to tell you, you need to be plugged into a church. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more you hear the Word of God, the stronger you'll become. See, some of y'all starving yourself to death. You're just hearing the Word of God on Sunday morning for 30 minutes and like to freak out then. You need to hear the Word of God. The Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. The more word you hear, the stronger you're going to become. Let, let me tell you something. Fear and faith cannot occupy the same space. If, if you, you're living in fear this morning, oh, I'm worried to death about this. Let me tell you, when you begin to have faith in God, fear is going to say, hey, I can't stand this. I'm out of here. Fear and faith cannot go together. They're, they're two opposites. They, they cannot live together. When you're caught up in the presence of God, you're reminded how big God is, how small we are. Verse 4 says we're to rejoice. We're to rejoice in our finances. Hasn't God been good? In our job, in our kids, in our hair, in our sports, in our clothes, in our cars, in our homes. And I could go on and on. But that's not what he says rejoice in. He said rejoice in the Lord. If you're not careful and you don't stand fast, you'll end up like Demas. You'll end up like Lot. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. Then he got a little closer. And the next time you read about him, he's sitting at the gate, one of the rulers of Sodom. That's how the devil works. That's how he works. You, you, he slips in, and, and he will take over your life. Now, I want to ask you to do something. It's a little different invitation. If you're here today, and you've never been saved. Young person, adult, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. I'm going to ask you in just a minute. If, God's, if the Holy Spirit's leading you, if God is not tugging on your heart, just stay where you are. won't do any good. Because there's no special prayer that can save you. There's no, I mean, there's no who we do, we, none of that junk will save you. You've got to be called by the Holy Spirit. And then you come, and you can be saved. You say, I don't know how to be saved. Jason will meet you down here. Somebody else will meet you down here. And, and you can be explained how to be saved. If you're here today and you're lost, you need to be saved before you leave here. But most of us in this building are probably saved. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. I'm going to ask you this question. Think in your mind, 
three things that you're worried about. Three things that you're, we used to, oh, preacher, I'm spiritual. I'm not worried about nothing. No, you're concerned. It's the same thing, guys. Three things that right now, you say, man, this is bothering me. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know about this over here, this situation, and I'm worried about this. Three things that you're worried about right now. Everybody got those? Now let me ask you this. If you begin to rejoice in the Lord and the other positive things in your life, do you think your mind might be off of those three things you're so worried about? You think you might be drawn a little closer to Jesus and you'd be willing to say, my, 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 hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I get to come into the, into the throne room of God. Uh, let me just close. The old English word, the root from which we get our word worry from, means to strangle. If you've ever been worried, you, you know what I'm talking about. There are consequences to it. You worry so much, and I'm not talking from a pastor's point. I'm talking about from medical doctor's points. They'll tell you if you worry, 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 that it's going to affect headaches, it's going to have neck pains, you're going to have ulcers, you may even have back pain. Worry affects your thinking, it affects your digestion system, it even affects your coordination. You say, well, my goodness, I need to get an antidote. I mean, we've got an antidote for everything else. We've got all of the COVID antidotes now and all the shots and all that. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, we have an antidote for worry, anxiety, and fear. It's found down in verse 7. Let me just read it to you. The peace of God, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. If you, when you come to the place where you surrender and you get the peace of God, you can relax because God's in control. Nothing going to worry you while you're in the presence of Jesus. Father, would you speak today? Lord, have your way. I would pray more than anything today is, dear God, these young people that are here that have heard the word this weekend, that have been challenged, if they're here today and they're not saved, God, don't pass them up. Lord, let your spirit fall fresh on them. Lord, where they can't do anything except say, I need to be saved. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Lord, speak to all of us today. The things that we not need to lay at this altar and leave at this altar. Have your way. We'll praise you. Thank you. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Would you stand together as we have this invitation. God's speaking to you. Come on down. Come on.